Welcome to The Vital Vagina, where we delve into brave and crucial conversations about the womb and feminine power. This podcast is not just for people with vaginas. We all come from the womb, and there is much for everyone to learn from this place of deep wisdom. I'm your host, Dr. Danielle Cornelius. I'm a chiropractor and holistic pelvic care provider. I've been working in the feminine healing realm for nearly a decade, and I am honored to bring this work and these stories to light. Today, I have the honor and privilege of sharing with you a conversation I had with Tammy Kent. Tammy Kent is one of my dearest mentors. She is a women's health physical therapist and creator of holistic pelvic care. She also authored three wonderful books, Wild Feminine, Mothering from Your Center, and Wild Creative. Tammy and I talk about her journey from women's health physical therapist to her own modality, holistic pelvic care, after having worked with thousands and thousands of women of all ages and backgrounds. We also discuss how lineage wounds and patterns can run through our energy systems, through our family lines, and ways that we can work with that kind of energy. I really hope that you enjoy our conversation. Well, it started out more just as I was a women's health physical therapist working in the pelvic bowl and just working more mechanically. So um, helping women with various challenges like urine leakage or organ prolapse, things that women don't tend to know that are happening unless they start to happen to them. So um, women's health physical therapy is a kind of a little known practice that works on the pelvic health. And I loved that, even just doing that and getting to help women. It's kind of like midwifery to me. It's like a very women empowered, helping women heal their bodies, um, spending time in intimate space. But when I was working with women, I felt like, first of all, I could feel a lot of energy that I didn't really understand. One was a really powerful energy that I would call the feminine that I just, when I first encountered, I really didn't even know what it was. So I had to investigate that. And then the other was a lot of um, emotional energies that were pent up. The most prominent one was grief. And yeah. I it was grief has a real heaviness to it. And so there were just things I was feeling that I didn't have any words for. No one had ever talked to me or taught me about, um, as well as just the power of the energy. I felt like there was a way maybe to start to interface with it. And holistic pelvic care was born of that, of my desire yeah. to serve the female body in a more um, empowered way, utilizing the um, helpful aspects of the pelvic bowl, um, really more like uh, acupuncture or Chinese medicine where you're working with the body's chi. In, mm-hmm. in those professions, it's thought of that chi has an intelligence, um, that the body has an intelligence, and that you can tap into and learn from the body about what kind of help it needs, as well as begin to access that energy to support the alignment in the body. And so it was in that kind of vein that I started working with the body and eventually developed a body of work called holistic pelvic care that is a combination of physical and energetic tools designed to work with the body's energy field and heal or work with patterns that maybe aren't serving work with trauma imprints and really um, it's like a feng shui for the pelvic bowl working with the alignment so that that energy can really flow more freely and what I found is that how our energy flows in our bodies really impacts how it flows in our lives so yeah. it's sort of this thing of like a dance of I would work with women and then see the benefits or I would see where they were struggling in their life and it would mirror in the bowl. And so it was that dance back and forth that I ended up, you know, creating a huge body of work that included um, a whole practice of working with the body that I now teach to practitioners. But also I ended up writing books, um, the first one being Wild Feminine, which is like a manual to understanding 
the energy of the body, your own female body and the power that resides there. Hmm, I love it so much. <laughs> I imagine that when you were first doing physical therapy, when you were first starting, there was, I, I don't imagine that you learned energy work through that system. No, not at all. I mean, uh, physical therapy is very much a medical, a Western medical model. So in Western medicine, it tends to be um, more symptom-based. So the ways I would kind of look at a holistic practice of medicine is it looks at the whole body rather than just a symptom. So my um, how I learned was more symptom-based, i.e. there's prolapse, treat that directly, whereas rather than looking at the whole system, which like Chinese medicine will look at things like the organ health, the ancestry, the grief. Um, yeah. So, you know, it was very symptom-based. It was also tend to focus on that part of the body rather than the whole person. Um, it also is just, I think there's not a language for energy. It, this is changing a little bit, I think, but um, there has not really been a, a language for energy in Western medicine. The idea of chi and this life force that I could definitely feel, but I didn't know how to interact with. And since I wasn't trained in specific tools, I had to kind of find my own way. But working with the chi of the body, the energy system is really, really powerful. I found that it was more gentle. Um, mm -hmm. It went more to the root of things. It was more effective because we were going to the root rather than just treating a symptom. And mm -hmm. it was also really helped with trauma. That was another thing that was missing in my training was yeah. many, many women, you know, the majority of women have had trauma related to their pelvic bowls. And when I was working in that space, I felt like I needed more tools when I encountered trauma, how to work with it and how to hold space for it. Yeah, it definitely seems like being trauma informed is a pretty recent thing for practitioners. I see that same that same divide in chiropractic. In our profession, we actually it's rooted in energy medicine actually. Mm -hmm. Um and there's like two different camps in our world and one of them really honors that innate wisdom of the body and they tend to be better adjusters, a little bit more mindful because mm -hmm. they're really paying attention to all that. And um, the school I went to was very much like Western. They wanted to be accepted in the Western world. So they just stuck to the mechanics. Right. And I remember going through school, just feeling like something feels wrong, yeah. <laughs> like something's missing That's or missing. like people are yeah. touching me in ways that I'm, I'm kind of giving them all the no signals and there's, they're not seeing yes. that. Right. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I got really fired up about, um, more trauma informed practice mm -hmm. and more gentle touch. And right. then eventually went on to take your class mm -hmm. and only wanted to do holistic pelvic care for a little while yeah. <laughs> before I was able to <laughs> fold it all back in. <laughs> It's always a journey. <laughs> it is a journey for sure. The healing, whether you're on the healer path or a healing path, it's it's a journey. Yes. Um, so what was the transition like for you? If you're working in more of a hospital system, yeah. I imagine in the beginning, and then you're transitioning out, you're starting to feel all this energy and while you're still learning about it, what was it that pulled you all the way out or right. um, what was that transition like yeah. for you? And I, I would invite more practitioners to expand the box that they're in. Um, what, yes. <laughs> I think I didn't even realize I was in a box until I left the box. So um, yeah. I, I was working at a hospital and a lovely, warm, uh, friendly hospital with lots of good people, um, had a great vibe to it. And I was working as their women's health, um, one of their women's health professionals and, you know, really loved my job there. But what happened is I had my first son who is 19 now. And when I went home to be with him, I just, I didn't want to leave him when it came time to go back to work. And the way most jobs work is you, you have to be there a set number of hours. And even what was considered part-time still felt like too much time to leave him. He was, um, 
she was three months old when I first was looking at going back and I delayed it three more months and you know, I really didn't understand mothering. Like so many things, the feminine perspective is missing. And I had all these ideas of what it would be like to mother a child. And I really had no idea how much they are bonded to your body. And part of being in the feminine realm is really being there in certain time periods for your kids. And if you can, mm-hmm. I know that's a luxury, but it was a, also a circumstance where I had potentially a, the ability to make that choice. And I really was underprepared for how much children need a primary caregiver or someone that is bonded to them through the body. Mm-hmm. And so it was that motivating force that caused me to leave my job, which felt really shaky at the time because I thought oh, I've got my first job out of school and it's a good job. And what will I do? And I really walked away from it and uh, it took a lot of trust and it was, he was the primary motivator. But what happened was such a blessing. I ended up um, working many more like part-time hours. I had a friend who had a, uh, a chiropractic practice and she offered me some space in her office for a day or two a week. And I started just seeing clients and I thought it would be temporary while he was little. And it just burgeoned into me moving into my own space. And then I had two more children and it really worked well with being a mother because I could work more seasonally. So um, mm-hmm. seasonal work makes a lot of sense to me where I tend to work more in certain seasons and less. So like um, spring and fall, I work a lot. And then winter and summer, I go back down to less hours. And mm-hmm. I thought I would do that again when my children were just little, but that has worked so well for my body that I've continued mm-hmm. that practice. And yeah. in that freedom of leaving the hospital uh, where there was sort of a set structure in how you do things, I started working more organically and listening to the women in front of me. And one thing that changed is my clients changed. So usually when you're in a hospital as a women's health PT, people are referred to you by urologists. And that's just kind of how it is. People don't know a lot about women's health physical therapy. And so they might be having issues. They see a urologist and they get referred to a PT as sort of a last ditch effort. So I was seeing a much older clientele. And when I went and started working for myself, word of mouth happened and women, I I also had had a baby and I felt the pelvic changes after having a baby. And I knew that a lot of what I was seeing in women in the hospital was uh, issues that had been there for a long time and that were not resolved. And then kind of over time, the body compensation didn't work. And so people had more issues and I thought we should be treating these sooner. So I spoke to a couple of moms groups and just started to get the word out in a different, different subsets. And then women talking amongst themselves. So I started seeing women of all ages, which was really satisfying. I got mm. to see a lot more diverse clientele and also women sharing their experiences. Just friends came to see me. So I saw women from across, you know, all different kinds of um, racial and socioeconomic groups through Portland. And just there was more access to my care. And so in that, mm. I just started um, really listening to the body in front of me and the woman in front of me. And then also motivated to kind of create something that would work well for their bodies. And so having that freedom, it just opened up my creativity and totally mm-hmm. changed how I practiced. And it, it really deepened my satisfaction in what I was doing. Um, and yeah. it served me better as a person. Um, you know, so it was, <laughs> it was a great, yeah. <laughs> it was a great leap of faith. That, yeah, I know some of the best things in life happen after a big leap of faith, but it can be really <laughs> challenging in the moment. Scary. scary, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's true. Like body work, I find, is an, an art as much as it is a science. And it's a lot more fun when you can, you know, go with the flow a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think when I, you know, coming from, like, I was a very academic student. So I had sort of these rigid ways that were more um, left brain, you know, kind of like linear logical. And, and that, I think the academic system kind of encourages that rather than the sort of 
right brain, holistic, you know, more open, fluid kind of thinking. And so I definitely honed the the left brain in, you know, academia. And so I kind of entered also healthcare thinking, oh, I could be a doctor or I could be a physical therapist, you know, just these narrow perspectives. And I also would encourage uh, people that are interested in in healing to realize there's a whole plethora of ways to enter the healing Mm -hmm. realm. And there's lots of fun ways to expand. It's it's really more of like um, the old style of apprenticeship where you keep studying and you keep learning. I have never stopped being curious and learning new tools, you know, like all the different aspects of body work. And, um, you know, there's so many talented people and teachers out there that are sharing their gifts. It's, if you're drawn to that, it's it's a wonderful. You can you can branch out and you can get one type of profession, but then you can really branch wider to where your passions lie. Yeah, that's one of the things I really loved about taking your classes. Is I notice in your classes, there's female practitioners from all these different modalities. Like there will be medical doctors and nurses and midwives and PTs and chiropractors and massage therapists. And I just, I just was really drawn to that because um, in my profession, and I know it's like this in a lot of places, there's just a lot of infighting and ego Mm -hmm. and, or like those people are wrong and we're right. Right. It's just like, it just seems silly because there's so many ways. And I just love being in your class and having all these women from different backgrounds like helping each other and teaching each other yeah. instead of saying I'm right I'm right and you're right. wrong. Absolutely. Well I really wanted to get into I know the energy piece of holistic pelvic care can help with all sorts of things that women deal with like pelvic pain and we can use the medicine from the birth field to help you know, relieve wounds from birthing and all that kind of stuff. But I'm getting a lot of questions um, because people have been listening to my podcast now and I've probably mentioned this work in almost every single episode. (laughs) Um, People are asking me a lot about the lineage and the ancestry and how that Mm -hmm. works, like how we're embedded and how does it work that um, we can kind of inherit these uh, wounded patterns from our lineage? Right. I mean, I think the body keeps a record. You know, it's like that a book that came out recently, The Body Keeps the Score. That's a trauma, all about trauma. It's a researcher doctor that has really um, delved into trauma. And um, I was surprised by this too. I think it happened for me that I would be working on people's bodies and or working with them. And I would be surprised at the way their past experiences seem to inform their body responses. And then not just that, but that of their, their parents or the lineage they came from. And So, you know, I just started looking at everything's patterns to me. And so I started looking Mm -hmm. at patterns, patterns of um, alignment or or non-alignment presence and absence. And, you know, I don't know exactly, you know, I can't say for sure because it's it's a hard thing to test. Um, But what I noticed was like, for example, if someone had a real absent father line, um, you know, a lot of men that just kind of stepped out of the picture, they had kind of a hollow energy on the right side of their body. And in Chinese medicine, there's an understanding, you know, once I started feeling this, then I found out from my, um, my friends who practice Chinese medicine that, oh, there's a whole understanding of lineage in the chi of what you inherit and what you carry. So in some of the more holistic medicine practices, this is just understood. So, you know, I would work with people and I would feel these deficiencies or things and it would turn out they had that in their lives. Same with mother, you know, if the mother, if there was a wounding pattern or difficulty, you would feel tension or restriction or absence on the left side of the body. And it tended to be correlated relatively similarly on one side or the other, depending. And so I just started looking at this and then I would get into deeper patterns. Like, for example, 
the Holocaust would come up and I would work with women who had that ancestry and I would feel into this absolute pit of terror in their bodies that they didn't have like their own example, their own life experience that would talk about that. They would say like, yeah, I haven't really had, you know, I haven't really had a bad life or it's been a pretty good life, but there's this pit of terror in their field. And so, you know, we would extrapolate or they would kind of think about that part of their ancestry and it would feel like it was from the Holocaust. Well, there, there now some research showing that um, grandchildren of Holocaust survivors have DNA changes um, related to that experience. So people that have had that experience have similar DNA changes. So they're showing that there's this real effect to the way we carry things through our body. And I think maybe we are talking a lot about trauma. There's certainly you can carry gifts and potentials too, but we talk a lot about trauma because that's where when something really intense happens, it tends to make a big mark and also it needs healing. And so that's partly why I talk about it. So, you know, the Holocaust came up and then I've worked with other groups of people and seen things like in America, um, people who have black American ancestry or slavery ancestry, when I work with them, the similar kind of levels of terror, uh, somewhat related to like a feeling of the Holocaust, but um, there's some parallels there, a deep sense of dislocation and terror, a feeling of needing to hide. Um, and so, you know, it's like, I can't say for sure that that's related to that, but I've seen it enough times as a pattern that I would say that's there. And same with Native American, it feels a little different, but there's like, um, a lot of, uh, kind of fogginess and, you know, there's so much trauma around the reservations and then before that, what happened. So there's just those lineage patterns where it really, that, that, that trauma gets kind of locked into the body. And so we need to work on healing that, um, on a, on another note, maybe on the, the strength side, um, because I practice mostly in America when I'm working with women, um, we're a, an immigrant nation. So there's not very many people that have really been here for generations. So in general, there's a real absence of lineage chi in people. So when I work with them, it feels pretty absent versus when I work with someone, um, I have a couple experiences with this where I was like, oh my gosh, what is different about your chi? Well, this one woman, she was a sixth generation Oregonian. So she did have this many um, people of her ancestors that had been here. Her chi was just rock solid. I mean, just incredibly, it was like a fire hose. It was so strong. And when you're in a place for a generation and then over time in that landscape with the seasons and the same place, a real strength comes together. Um, and it, it's the same, you know, I've worked with people like from Ireland, for example, there's a real strength in their chi from being over time. But um, some of them have experienced really difficult sexual abuse or abuse in the family. So with that strength also comes some really locked in painful patterns. So it's just, you know, I'm always working on these lineage pieces and it, you know, they're, they're patterns. So we want to draw on the strength and we want to work on the trauma or the imprints that aren't helpful that, you know, some of the patterns that maybe tell you what female roles are and male roles are that are restrictive or what you're allowed to express, express emotionally, or if you're allowed to be creative, or if, uh, if you're allowed to mother, or if mother is a burden, or, um, or if you're not valuable, if you don't mother, I mean, it's like, there's all these rules that kind of get handed down, and mm -hmm. we can change those if we work with them. So, you know, when I started um, working on Wild Feminine and writing it, I was writing that as a manual as people were coming in, it took me about 10 years to fully write it. 
And I started with a couple paragraphs on lineage. And I ended up with a whole chapter. And that chapter is really <laughs> yeah. there to help people delve into the lineage, whether they know their stories or not. So there's lots of ways to work with lineage energy, whether or not you know your ancestral stories. And I kind of go into that in that chapter. But some of the basic ones are to, it's carried in your body. So you want to work through the trauma patterns so you get more to just a baseline ease. But then on the on the on the enjoyable side, if there's a part of your ancestry that has a certain music or food or, you know, delving into those things, listening to the music of that culture, eating the food of that culture, um, looking at pictures of the place. Um, if you have any of the clothing that they tend to wear or even looking at pictures of it, it really activates your ancestral memory. And I think sometimes yeah. too, people may have ancestry that they don't even know. They feel drawn to a certain country. Maybe that's past life. I don't know. But I think strengthening those relationships through the bodily experiences can be really helpful for strengthening your chi. Yeah. Oh, that's so helpful. I find that when women like dig into that book and do that kind of work that they just tend to move a little bit more quickly through their progress. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, in, in cultures that understand the energetics of lineage, they have a practice of honoring the ancestors and until I really came into this practice with the body, you know, I'm American and I didn't really understand like ancestry isn't something we necessarily value, especially because this country is primarily immigrants. So for the most part, people, unless you were brought here as a slave, um, for the most part, people came here. So they were more fractured. So we tend to be people mm -hmm. who are comfortable with fracture and not as much community. Mm -hmm. And that's in our lineage. Um, so, you know, yeah. like one way to heal that is to really deepen a sense of place, you know, grow a garden, um, you know, have a relationship to a place that, that extends through seasons. Um, and I started playing with this in my own life, which I share in, in Wild Feminine. But one of the things I started doing was really connecting with this one ancestry that's sort of northern uh, Norway and might be in the Sami region. And I started to just kind of connect energetically I did meditation I found some pictures from my grandfather of his great-grandmother and just started to kind of talk to that part of my lineage and started having dreams about that region and then my grandfather it was a very wounded person I mean we barely said he just could barely talk so it was a very fractured part of my life he was there a little bit I was able to ask him for some yeah. pictures for example and got that but um, but his great-grandmother had died when his mother was one year old so there wasn't much known so I mostly connected through the energetic realm. It was re really interesting as I spent this maybe a few months really connecting with her. And I went to visit my grandfather who's now passed. And he came to me and said, I have a ring from my mother that I'd like to give to you, which is sort of that line of the lineage. And I mean, he had never, he, you know, he was the kind of guy who like pawned everything because he was struggling for money. And the fact that he brought me something was uh, really out of character, but I thought was a complete sign of the lineage that I had reached and was connecting and through that lineage they were reaching back to me. Hmm. Yeah. That's so sweet. That's like the gift in this type of work, I would say. Yeah. There's lots of unexpected little treasures when you go digging in your lineage. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something <laughs> yeah. we all should do because, you know, at, at the base, we're really, we really are one world. So the more that we can yeah. kind of deepen into the branches of whatever we are, um, it's like weaving a tapestry, you know, and, and, and I wrote a blessing to the ancestors. Like you could use that blessing. You could do, you know, light a candle and just honor, uh, the, those who came before you. It's a powerful practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Yeah, it really is. Um, I also, oh, you know, someone else asked me this question. What's the difference between like our, um, like our DNA Mm -hmm. lineage versus when people talk about how we're bigger beings than that, we're more spiritual beings. We've had multiple different types of lives. So how does, um, more of that, that, that kind of Mm -hmm. lineage, how is that different from like what's actually literally being passed through the bodies or does it make a difference? Yeah. I mean, I think part of that is, is in the mystery, you know, I don't know that I have specific answers, but just, I have felt that and and talked with people through that. I think, I think one thing is maybe to take off your blinders a little bit and just even that concept that there could be a bigger lineage aspect or even past life, even just to be open to it can help. Um, Certainly I feel like I was a native woman at various times because when I work on people's bodies, I have knowledge that I cannot explain um, that is from past life. And I think is um, not necessarily related to my physical ancestry that I embody in this time, which Mm -hmm. is mostly European. Um, So I think, you know, how does that inform us? I mean, for me, um, I, I received the gifts of the various incarnations and I do my best to do healing work. Um, it means though, you know, like I am not a native person, so I don't have that bodily experience of, of, of oppression. So I think just being clear on that, you know, sometimes people want to, you know, it's like people want to join something and you have to really respect what people have experienced in the physical form. So I know that I haven't physically experienced some of the oppression levels that, that current native people have experienced. Um, yeah. And I think we don't want to, if we get too much in the black and white thinking of like, I'm this race or I'm this, um, this contingent, we can close off. It's kind of the way kids have just totally open awareness for their past experiences. Like my kids used to speak about their past life experiences till they go to school and then they just boop. And maybe it's partially brain development. They just close. And if we get too rigid in our understanding of our ancestry, we might close off some of the knowledge, you know, so it's about, you want to go back to the dream time. And I think be very respectful of people's cultures and not use cultural appropriation and be really cognizant where you belong physically, but then also opening to your memory and your energetics that it's, it's different than your logical mind. It's kind of in the dream time and receiving it and allowing it because we really need everybody to step into their healing power right now. I mean, whoever you are, wherever you are, everybody's got to open to the, 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 the oneness and the fact that the flow comes through and that the divine, you know, we are all mirrors for each other and we are all from one tapestry and taking that and, you know, staying out of ego, but coming into the deeper space of belonging and doing the work and stepping up and helping the repair. I mean, I think everybody needs to be doing repair. We're headed into this time, even with climate change that I feel like, um, a lot of us have agreed to be here at this time, but it is going to be a lot of work. And so for me, I mean, I almost feel I've felt this urgency since I was very young. So I think I knew that this was going to be a tall order of um, not just sitting back and watching TV, but literally like there is work to do. So however you, yeah, however you feel called into that, um, you know, it's just, we have to be working on the repair And, um, I'm preparing, you know, right now, even as I work, I'm helping my kids and kind of the, the community that's coming up, the young people, um, the, the level, the state of, of illness of, in the planet, you know, is reaching that emergency proportion. So it's, I guess maybe that's a long answer to your question, but you know, it's like stay (laughs) open, 
be respectful, yeah. stay out of your ego, um, and, and really get yeah. to work. And we got to just move into action. So uh, we talk a lot about masculine and feminine energies when we're doing this work. And I'm noticing, um, and I'm really curious how this has evolved from the time that you started, because now there's so much gender stuff up in the air and lots of people are talking now. Like I remember, I mean, I first studied with you in 2011 and if I even mentioned feminine or masculine, people would give me the weirdest looks. (laughs) Like it wasn't really in the, in our, in our dialogue or in our language, but now it really is. So everyone's got opinions about it and like all these really concrete definitions about what yeah. it means. And yeah. um, so I'm just curious about like your yeah. perspective. On I mean, I guess after doing this work for, for so sure, um, there's so many thoughts. W- one is, w- one is I would just say, beware of rigidity wherever it lies. Um, the rigidity is not the friend. It, it's about um, more openness, more wholeness. And so I think originally what I noticed is that there was a huge feminine wounding in everyone Um, And that comes from living in years of the patriarchy and the feminine, that's whether you're male or female or however you gender identify, it's the wounding of this very sensitive, very intuitive, uh, fluid part that, um, that understands like color and texture and beauty and is expressive and dreamlike and nonlinear. And, you know, again, it's more the right brain. And because that's kind of gotten wounded and shut down in everyone for various reasons, you know, flat out abuse for one um the patriarchy's you know just been sort of pillaging the earth and and the peoples it's just been like this march around the planet you know and there's more recent pillaging and then there's older pillaging everybody was once still it was in a tribe and you know it's just it's been this cycle of pillaging in in 2012 when the maya time calendar ended what it really was signaling is we were entering a new time and it's a feminine time a lot of people have talked about this new 5,000-year cycle of a more feminine time. And so to me, it's mm-hmm. um, it's time to look at where we've been wounded in our feminine and heal it and repair our connection to it. And that's why I wrote Wild Feminine was to understand what feminine was, which I understand as a sacred ability to receive and look at where we've been wounded in that. Where have we shut down our ability to receive because of you know oppression or trauma or even just denigration of, you know, you can't wear that color, just all the subtle peeling aways yeah. of the the feminine, you know, as I've witnessed in people felt in myself and then had to deal with with three sons, the stripping away and how it is equally stripped away from males at an early age. And it has taken a fierceness to try to keep it intact. And even then it's the rest of the world is yeah. tearing it. So it's a, it's a recognition of the feminine and a repair of the feminine. And then when we get that online, it creates whole new patterns of masculine. So we have not really seen, we've hardly seen a healthy feminine, let alone an integrated feminine masculine where the masculine's truly in alliance with the feminine. So to me, that's the work of our time. It's to repair, connect with and in our own feminine and then match it to the masculine, let there be healing and let the new masculine forms, which I think of masculine as kind of the outer expression, the way we give form to our lives. So it can be work, relationships, families, um, parenting, creativity, just any form you're creating in the outer world. And if that's not influenced by the feminine, so how that looks when it's influenced is there's cyclical thinking, the earth is included, um, all the women and children are protected, um, care of the elderly, honoring of the elders, um, 
you know, an, a deep understanding of our interrelationships, um, a, more of a communal way of approaching things, um, not a hierarchy, not a taking. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, there's a lot to repair here because very few systems actually have that all ingrained. So it's people doing the repair first for themselves. And then as we each do the repair, what we create will have that repair in it. So, you know, if you think of all the structures, all the business structures, all the money structures, the housing, the healthcare, most of them are built on the patriarchal system and sort of the capitalism, like, you know, just the, the growth that, you know, anything that grows without um, a cyclical nature to it is it, that would be cancer. That's kind of what our, in, in the Western world, that's what our economic system is based on. So all those systems, um, you know, the transportation systems, this, everything needs to be repaired and looked at from a more holistic, long-term view. Um, so we have to do the work individually, and then we have to do it into all these systems. And it's less about how you gender identify. I think I, I do think as people heal this, there's less of a feeling of threat of other. So yeah. some of the stuff yep. that has been going on goes away, whether whatever religion you are, however you gender identify, however your sexual orientation, you know, none of that is really matters anymore. It's more about this integrated understanding. So that's kind of how I see it and the work that needs to be done. I mean, it, it's in so many different areas, but I think if each person focuses on their own healing and then turns out to the world and starts yep. changing, like for me, it changed how I run my business. It changed how I spend my days and my seasons. Um, it changed how I teach others. Um, it changed how I parent. Um, you know, like I'm yeah. in that model now where I have my son going to college, but so much of what I talk to him about is about his long-term balance and relationship with the world. Yeah. Um, not his, you know, not this linear trajectory. Um, and what I notice is, you know, I'm still watching my sons become young men, so it's kind of early to tell, but like, I notice him seeking to come home and, and just, you know, all the things like when we went through the college, it's just a small thing, but it, it's, it, it relates to a lot when people went to, to yeah. kind of enter the college program, it was a lot about, you know, where are you going and what school? And we were really looking at what makes sense as a family, what can allow us to keep a relationship so he ended up going to a school that's about two hours away and he's chosen to come home about every three weeks just for a little touch yeah. in. We talk, you know, several times a week. There's, there's an interrelatedness there. I've, I've always thought this idea of independence that we have in America is kind of a false, no, you know, false way of thinking. It doesn't include the feminine yeah. relationship. And so what I'm seeing is that to be true, that there's just more of this interrelatedness because we need each other. You know, it's not about pushing your kids off and then like they figure it out. It It's about um, staying in relationship and kind of, you know, finding your way and being able to make your your contribution to the world mm-hmm. while you're supported. That That's a feminine, masculine blend. Yes. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for giving us all this wisdom. I'm really excited to share this with everyone. Absolutely. My pleasure. Such a joy to chat with you. If you're interested in more information about Tammy Kent, how to work with her or find her books, you can find her at www.wildfeminine.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find show notes at vitalvagina.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with your friends. 
We'll be back next week with another episode.